astronomy mind fuck. <laughs> nice. I think I cut the fifth on that. Welcome to Shelf Importance Podcast, Episode 7. This is the comedy book club podcast that blends sensibility with vulgarity. Today, we start a three-part series on bewilderment by Richard Powers. So, as always, grab a stiff drink, sit back, and enjoy the show. Tatiana's place she had just gotten back from the gym and her brown legs glistened with sweat she wore I'm not fucking reading this come on guys read it no this is you must you're only the you've got to read the best part Tatiana's the one that puts her finger in his mouth. wait okay I'll, I'll read the best I'm, part let me I'm just gonna, so I, I was I was pre-selecting this and I realized that like the the best part is a fucking 45-line sentence. But I'll just skip to the good part. <clears throat> However, only when I got ready to climax did I lose sight of her, my eyes slamming shut, something I believe now she had been waiting for, a temporary instant of darkness, where vulnerable and blind to everything but my own pleasure, she could reach up beneath me and press the tip of an oil-soaked finger against my asshole. So <laughs> <laughs> Go on. And then I'm listening, <laughs> circling, rubbing until fuck this book, man. Okay, and then the circling is what sounds like it would really get this you. This is the best part of my week, by the way. Good. <laughs> uh, oh, come on, come on. Let me flag a flip back a couple pages here. Uh, this comes out of uh, Kenneth and I both believe that the quote of the week should come from the book that we are currently reading. And this is, I don't think the, I don't think this is the best quote, but I, I didn't know that it was my week to pick a quote. So I wasn't doing a good enough job of highlighting and I had to kind of rush for it. So here we go. <coughs> this is out of uh, Richard Burt Powers book. Befuddlement. Um Every belief will be outgrown in time. The first lesson of the universe is to never reason from only a single instance. Unless you only have one instance, in which case, find another. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good, that's good scientific advice. I like that, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's anyway, good, I, good I, I, uh, I would love, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a wonderful quote. I think it really kind of sets the stage for Theo and kind of who he is. And, um, yeah, so let's, let's get in the book, boys. Wait, who's Theo? His yeah. name is Theo? His name's Theo. Mm-hmm. I missed that. It, it happened. Completely. It only, did, it's only mentioned yeah. twice, I think. <clears throat> I did mention, I did mention my favorite, my favorite quote from the book. Not that, you know, yours would be in the, in the beginning. Don't worry, not mine. But the one where it's like, He's taking that test closer to the end of our reading, and it's like, "Do you have any allergies?" And he's like, "Not unless you count cocktail parties <laughs> <laughs> or something like that." Right? Oh my god, I, felt, I get it. I feel like the person for whom that should ring the most true is Rich, right? Because like you and your wife have a whole story about how like 
you had all these grad school parties that you had to go to. Oh, yeah. And like it was your least favorite thing, but she felt right at home, even though she was like not, you know, really kind of in the in the circle of people that were supposed yeah, to be she, there. Yeah, she's just really great in social. I, I I think I said this last time. She makes people like me. So that's the only reason I like you. <laughs> I, I I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> if she if she were, if she were to ever leave me, I'd lose all my friends. So. Oh, bummer. She, she'd take them with her. Yeah, yeah, I got it. I agree with that because I'd be like, I think the one I was related to was Rich's <laughs> wife all along. Actually, now that I, now that I think about it, so we probably should just keep hanging out with her. The way the way my shirt is laying right now makes me look like I have breasts. And a little I'm, bit, a little bit, it, yeah. Boys. Smush yeah. them up a little hey, bit. Can you jiggle Which them a bring, little bit? Yeah, yes. Little Which little brings little us little. to I think the third time refer- <laughs> using this reference, Bob. Bob bitch tits. <laughs> Bob bitch tits. Is that a correct count? Is that three times in the life of our so. of our at least meeting? That's uh, a bottom. Yeah. That's every the basement time. number. Well, it it comes up every time we mention uh, man tits or Chuck P. So, all right. And here, right before the book, we're gonna talk about our son. Our reread, Our Son, yeah. Lines of Our Son by Guy Gabriel K. Guy Gabriel K, right? Not Key. K. Guy Gabriel K. I I remember, here's what I remember about Lines of Our Son. I threatened to donate it to the little libraries that are in my neighborhood. I with a with a note on it that says, read this whole book, but don't read the fucking epilogue. Yeah. And you'll oh, be much, I remember that. Trust me, don't you read the epilogue. You were very angry. Yeah, you were very And I upset. don't I don't remember if I ever actually got rid of that book or not. It was but it was a fantastic book. It was the first Defy. book that I read with y'all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's right. This is your first reread in which you can participate. Yay. So am I expected to reread that? No, 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 yeah, no. You sh- no, you were supposed to have reread it before tonight. <laughs> Rich. We're gonna Yeah, we're gonna read it's reread clever, every book. Title. Every well, year. that's going to get kind of wondering because like, I'm like, when you talked about Dune, I'm like, how in the hell are you going to read Dune and House of Leaves? No, that did not. Yeah, happen. it's going to get wild two or three years down the road when we're just like, <laughs> we got three, but yeah, fucking stacking them up. Right, right. So do you guys do you guys have fond memories of it? Are you glad that it's a year away? Uh, I have quite fond memories of uh, Lines of Arasan. Did it leave an impression? Do you remember any characters? It it was my first yeah. book out of my normal genre, and I okay. was quite pleased. Uh, I liked the the urine thing because I felt like I could <laughs> contribute some backstory yeah, to that. I forgot about the urine thing. Yeah. <laughs> the so decanter. That, yeah, that was I was able to yeah. kind of contribute some backstory to that, so that made me oh, feel included. So uh, I like the the dangling thing on the wiener of uh, Alvar. His little uh, sex party. Yeah, that was tight, tight. I really liked that book. Yeah, it was a good time. Um, it was we got a lot of good discussion out of it, but man, it was constructed really well. Uh, the just the the prose was fantastic. The dude can turn a phrase for sure. Um, the the story had a very nice series of ups and downs in the right places. You know, it had a beginning, middle and end, which we cannot say about every book that we read this year. Right. We can't even, we can't, 
there are more than one book that we can say didn't have that at all. Um, so that in itself puts it in the top 50% of my books we've read this year for sure. Um, but, uh, everything was, was, it's one of my, I'll say it's one of my contenders for best book of the year. Um, I didn't, I don't know if I, I I don't know if I, I don't know if I rated it highest, but as far as like being a good book and following the formula, being engaging, having character development, having, you know, having expert level pros, incorporating poetry, everything that it did is 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 that does this is this book the first book that can that is eligible for best book of the year? It was January ah, when we finished it. We were we were doing turn of the year kind of book. Okay, so it, yeah. it has to be at the you have to finish in the year for it to be included. Is, is I, think so. I think so. I think that's it would fair. be a, it would be a tragedy not to include lines of our son for eligibility because then we would never get the chance well the same could be said of dune neverwhere and dune Neverwhere. yeah 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 well, but well this, say, but it's, know, it's also dune, a good dune, fine dune was the best of 2020 there we go. <laughs> but it's also a good marker that you know rich was also included in this book that's right so, yeah, it really kind of brought the brought the magic of this cast together yeah. kind of an official star yeah uh, for me I, I, i'll go ahead what were you gonna say well, I think I think really really briefly, if you can believe that I'm capable of that, um, I think I probably of the of the four of us was the like least kind to this book when we when we were doing ratings. Like I had a lot of gripes about it, but I think as it has aged what? in my mind, only like primarily the good things have remained and the like aspects that I had issues with have kind of like gone by the wayside. So when I think back to this book, I'm like, Oh yeah, man, there was that cool scene here and this and this and that. And like this like awesome scene here and the fucking wife of the El Cid dude that like totally murked those guys that came to kill her. And like, (laughs) I mean like there, like there are all these cool scenes that kind of have remained in my memory uh, and with the exception of like, uh, we've made a lot of fun of Alvar's d- uh, dick hardware. <laughs> we've made a lot of fun. Like, I mean, the I still the stand by switches. the epilogue was like, it was too much. Right. But even so, like there was more than one wacky bait and switch. Yeah, it became a in theme. there. Yeah, the son, like, the son almost dying. Yep, and yep. like not yeah, not knowing it. I don't I don't remember what the Cid character's name is. The, the uh, like Rodrigo Belmonte. Yeah, so like the this the whole what scene where you name. Th- yeah. where you thought Rodrigo died, but it turned out it was just some fucking mook, right? Like <laughs> those those scenes, like the 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 epilogue was irritating to me at the time because of those like the the lead up to it that there were so many of these like bait and switch scenes um but the epilogue is the only one of those that i like really remember on a casual like walk down memory lane and so like with a few exceptions of being like i remember kind of picking it apart here and here every other memory i have of the book is like extremely fond i think so i think it's actually aged well in my memory I'll I'll say that of the three books that I've recommended since Rich joined, it's my favorite. Obviously, 
Bel Canto and Song and of Achilles. Achilles. Yeah. yeah. So, and this is also now the third, it was the second, but now I've read three Guy Gabriel K books. And he is, uh, if you like it, like you're probably going to like all of his books. Man, he hits the emotions. Like I, that scene at the end where Rodrigo is fighting, I was trying to find the other guy's name. I don't know why I couldn't remember. Amar? Alvar? Or Amar, oh yeah, Amar. yeah. Um, Amar was like that was just such a. I have it like seared into my head where the people are standing up on like the mountain and the sun is setting in their eyes and these two guys are sword fighting and you can't tell who's who because the sun is so bright and like that's just seared in my mind. And um, oh yeah, that was a good scene. Yeah, that was such a such a perfect example of character conflict in a book as well right where they're just like they have this such such a strong bromance and then it's like now but we fight. because we're a book you can't both get what you want yeah so half the you, you, well, you're you're butting against each other now and and not even like just because it's a book i think like with that conflict it was there was a real sense that the reality of war had been captured and that it's like these two people who respected each other maybe like loved each other in a platonic sense um and had no desire personally to kill one another are like forced into this situation by political maneuverings and like just the winds of time they're just forced into the situation where like they have to fight and they have to kill each other and they have no malice for one another but like they are the sort of embodiment of the two whatever nations that they represent. And I think that's a really interesting take. Cause you like, I think authors sort of make this um, authors sort of tend towards like really zeroing in on the individuals um, and can miss the fact that like, sometimes this shit just happens. Like it's not anger. It's not anything. It's just like, this is how war is and it's senseless and, awful and like confusing and messy well yeah and that's an, what you just said too that's another thing that's so great about it is if you just zero in on the characters their last their battle to the death makes no sense right it's it's everything that happened externally to the characters that made their their final fight necessary um because i i was frankly like i was surprised that amar like when he decided to go back and like and take that position with his military and with his nation, I was like, Oh man, he just didn't strike me like that kind of guy. But it's almost like then, you know, whatever value that ticked for him, he's like, I've got to go back and follow through with this part of who I am rather than just what I believe as far as like people and morality, you know, in a sense. So, but because the, you know, because he did such a good job of, developing the entire nation and the entire story and not just not only the characters the conflict was you know in, uh incredible um and you know big surprise and, and you know very fun to read you you kind of final thoughts there me i think oh, we kind of jumped your case a no little bit i mean i just know i thought you know tigana like oh this is the one that everybody recommended it was so good and the next one was lines of our songs like hey you guys get in on this now i've read a third one like i'm gonna try and read all this guy's books like they just hit a they hit a chord with me 
Like he brings this emotion in and um, it's usually a secret chord. Yes. That's the kind of song that goes along with these books. Yeah. Um, And it's like, he has evil in his books, but it's, um, it's usually like good, good triumphs or you're not, you're rooting against something, but I don't know. It's not like super happy. It's not super happy endings, but it, Somehow it feels good to go through his books. Dope. All right. So a, fa- a favorable reread of Lines of Arsan by Guy Gavry. Okay. Bewilderment. Richard Powers. Who's ready to give that full book summary? Oh, yeah. All right. So uh, Bewilderment is about a guy and his boy that go out into the woods and they get lost and they end up on another planet somehow through some portal and they save the, uh, they teach the aliens their ways to where they're no longer bewildered about nice. how That's people act. Good. That's good. Yeah. Now, I do, nice. I, dude, I do I have a not, short discussion. I did not prepare that. I promise you that just came right from the hip. Nice. I do want to have a short smoking. discussion, Rich, about how much of that, you think did happen in the part that we read because it, it was kind of a thing where like suddenly yeah. they're just on another planet i was confused yeah yeah I, yeah i also want to say man that i got a theory you, about it you, sta- you started that exactly the same way you started it on full bottle of wine rich <laughs> last week that's what you said a boy like summarize the whole book now before you read anything okay a boy and his or a dad and his Son, travel. Out, they go out into the woods. My and, mind was tainted. Oh fuck! I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you finished that thought this week. But go yeah. on with what Blake was asking. Yeah. <laughs> my my theory. Okay, so like in this book, you you have this very I I think we'd all agree kind of off putting, like back and forth where like the main character is an astrobiologist, a profession that definitely exists it's ryland yeah. grace guys it's yeah, ryland right? grace uh, and, and if, by the if, way like if, uh, i'm gonna be kind of shitty about it as i'm talking about it but like i really like the mix of like humanity and science that like this book puts together astrobiology is real oh it's for sure that's but what it, i said it's not to be isn't confused it, with asshole biology is it a theoretical field though Ooh. Well, sure. Yeah, yeah okay. for sure, for sure. Okay. So, like, so one of one of our Big Bang Theory guys would be into some yeah. astrobiology. First yeah, yeah, of yeah. all, yeah. If, if if to the I'm in the, I'm in the astro play. <laughs> <laughs> nice a- astro play with Rich. <laughs> he says he's not witty. <laughs> That's what astrophage the, is: is eating some astro. <laughs> to the extent. First of all, to the extent that astrobiology is a real, true field, it fucking better be called xenobiology and not astrobiology. They don't live in the fucking stars. Okay, uh, there is it's like so. Back to the the, the story itself. We've got this um, this sort of like very much back and forth. You got this like father and his son. Right. And they're like having inner interactions. And I don't mean that euphemistically, like they just are interacting as father and son. That's kind of like the main 
the main as drama father and sons do of yeah. the book right and then like they they have this these break chapters where they're just like and then we're on the planet xenopoop and like <laughs> they they talk about it as if they are like physically there like shining flashlights on the terrain right i think what's going on is that Number one, Theo, the main, the the narrator and main character, is lying to his son about having a job at all. Number two, they're they're just flat out. They're just playing No Man's Sky. Okay. I thought Ex- that as well. Explain what No Man's Sky is. <laughs> yeah, I thought that as well. No Man's Sky is a is a video game with procedurally generated planets that you can explore in a spaceship. Settle on, yeah. like it's got animals and rocks and uh, but it's not real plants. No, not real. No. But it's like pretty much a universe's worth of planets that you can go to. It well, it I, seems I, endless to me. I think because I had that question early on. I was like, okay, is he describing a real planet? So I looked up. Uh, what was that? It's the first one that started with an F. Um, I forget what it was. Fermi. For, uh, well, no, that's Fermi's paradox. Yeah, it's uh, anyway. Yeah, anyway, and it's, it's not a real planet, but it does describe a group of African Devout. Jews or something like that that were persecuted, and it like kind of parallels how he was describing the planet. Um, Interesting. The the water world one, the Pelagros or whatever like that. Yeah. Uh, that's a brand of watch, which is like apparently like <laughs> if you if you just Google it, it's just straight Google that, you know, it's like a like super water resistant or something like that. So but my my thing is, is I was like, OK, are they is he saying he's on this planet? Are they looking like looking at some Google video or uh, the, I think he's just telling him stories. I think I think, I think he has explained it. Is anybody yeah. else caught that? Like what I, he's I, doing? Towards- I, I think I understand what he's what he's trying to say, but there's like prosaic embellishment. Like my understanding of what's actually happening is that like Theo is a he's actually a computer guy, right? So like his job is they make models of just like it, it's AI generated planets that like might exist out there and like what the conditions are, and then he just like has a modeling program that and you then know you, like as they discover them they see if they match up right well and, and he just has a modeling program that's like this is how life could go and just like he's looking for parameters and ways that life can develop outside of the way that like we on earth understand the development of see, life with like, that's my kind of discipline because you can never be wrong yeah, <laughs> that's it. Right. Exactly. Like, because he's not even really modeling the universe as we know it. He's modeling just like this might be how it goes. And he's just hoping that someday science will develop the capacity to like look into the stars and find uh, planets that match like the signatures here and hope that maybe there's life there. Right. Uh, but it's like the way it's described is so... Like I'm, I'm fairly certain that if you are a computer person who is like doing this kind of work, simulation, AI, that kind of stuff, like 
the the printouts that you get from those models are going to be like you know yes they're going to be like planet pelagius has a lot of water like there's life developing under like these circumstances with such and such like chemical reactions right but like you're not going to have a fucking like vr headset that you can like put on and just like go to that planet and like look around unless you go in and actually like develop the artwork for it yourself so i'm a little confused about what they're doing whenever they're like one more planet dad i don't think they're doing anything um my take is that this is either what would you say his name was the theo this is either theo or the author describing the the changing like landscape of the interactions with his child like uh like any any given time could be like just being on a completely different planet with completely different rules of how these interactions happen right like okay because of today the way it happened we're on this planet and this is how this is like the uh, ecosystem and i think that's made most clear by the most recent planet we visited because can i just the give you my ch- one my chapter summary for that chapter yes. i say skip right to it father and son travel to metaphor planet <laughs> <laughs> there you have it yeah and maybe that's around the time that i that i solidified that view i, yeah. I was thinking it around planet mm-hmm. two or three but. well and he also said he's like well what you know because the son is asking like hey let's let's explore another one and he's like well where am i going to reach for this time and he's like trying to think of sci-fi so he's he's it sounds like he's drawing on his knowledge of like popular sci-fi or sci-fi books that he's read. It's like he was plant. describing the Borg at one at one point. Yeah. So I I think that it could be based on his son's condition a way that he calms him down. Like, hey, this is where we're at. Do you see it? And his son like maybe has a very imaginative mind. Sure. I also have a very hot take that the son is just not alive. He does not exist. Ooh, like now a, that is a spicy take. Yeah, like like super a, uh, spicy. That's caliente. Have you guys not? You guys don't have caliente. that thought. What is, what is that Bruce Willis film where? Yeah, six cents. Six cents. Six, Spoilers. Six, six Die hard. Spoilers. Red. Red too. <laughs> okay, we're yeah. like twenty years out from that film. I think we're okay. Yeah, the to whole talk nine about yards. <laughs> but yeah, the kid's dead. And uh, does he, he's just coping. This whole book is him you, coping. You think he died in the car crash? Or maybe didn't ever exist? Oh. Well, maybe, she was pregnant, wasn't she? Yeah. With a girl. Maybe that's what he His tells daughter. himself. Because he I has mean, a son the, here with him. This would be like, I don't know, that'd be like, not to bring him up you would be, on purpose, but it'd be like Chuck P level psychotic. Would you say you'd be... <laughs> Bewildered, he's getting, but he's he's responding to text messages and shit. Now he'd be fucking insane. <laughs> but he picked him up from the school though. The, when he my okay, so this is why I say it. Yeah. It's, it's why why are his conversations, his side of conversations with his son, in quotation marks? Yeah, and his sons Let's and his that. and his wife's are not in quotation marks. They are italicized. There is a reason. 
There has to be a reason. So I half and half did. I started reading the Kindle version and then I got, well, part of it was that I like have been kind of busy and like haven't had a ton of time to just sit down and read. But also part of it was that I was, I found the formatting of this book to be near intolerable. Really? Because you're absolutely right. The, when the sun speaks almost, but not quite exclusively, the sun's text, the, the sun's dialogue is all just italicized and sometimes just in the middle of a paragraph, right? Like it, there, it doesn't follow the normal like paragraph breaking rules of like back and forth dialogue. It's just like dialogue and then yeah, italicized dialogue that the sun says. And I, I think what I... For me, what it does is it otherizes the sun, which I feel like is the opposite of what should be happening, right? Like the part of this, what I'm the message I'm pulling from this book now is that like the sun, like part of the message of this book is that the sun is as human as everybody else, right? He's just human in different ways. And that's like a big like chord that sort of resounds through um, anybody that has contact with people who are on the autism spectrum, whether or not like this is exactly it, uh, there's there's a little bit of doubt I think in the book about whether or not the sun like is on the spectrum or like it not or whatever. Um, but like putting his text as being something that's not actually said as being something that's not quoted in like normal format makes it something like I think the author maybe is trying to make it something that's more intimate than a typical like dialogue is but for me it makes it more like yeah it, I, you kind of think you the message you came away with was that son's a fucking ghost or whatever I right? would, and the message well, I came I, away with I, is that he's like I've an also, alien that maybe is or is not actually speaking I've also wondered if maybe the kid is signing like right that's maybe there's like something some like that going on or verbal nonverbal communication yeah. that they have yeah yeah that's that's where my there, i'm putting my bet right now there's something happening i do so like I'm, the kid I'm being suspicious part. yeah yeah i do like the, that's that's more <laughs> I, fun i tried to write down my hot takes with each you know the few times i had them during the chapter so i've got some pretty fun ones that are that are no longer true uh, I think you'll like the one I have about the mom, but, uh, all right. Well, you want to get into some of those? Yeah. yeah you, you want, want me to hit it? like, they're, they're not long. You want me to hit five take, at a time? Yeah. Sure. Take it get from it. the top, right. dude. Okay. Chapter one, dad and little kid who talks through thoughts, go on a week long vacation <laughs> to the Smokies. Chapter two, dad teeters dangerously close to anti-vax territory. <laughs> chapter three trip to gatlinburg and kid continues to talk through thoughts chapter four fermi's paradox chapter five mom and dad like birds <laughs> they do love birds they so, like the birds blake you brought up the fermi's paradox in a recent book what was that do you remember probably project hail mary it probably was but it was funny you brought it up i was like hey man we just life just Circles around and around the same mountain, doesn't it? Yeah. So <clears throat> this guy's whole science thing, it is about 
looking for planets. And one way that they can tell a planet orbits a star is just a small flicker of light, like how the light bends around the gravity of the planet, right? It is, there is no law that says all planets orbiting a star will pass over the star that we are observing, right? So there are plenty of stars where we're looking at it and the planets are circling around like this and not like this, right? So I'm sure that there's more Oh yeah, many more I, planets I, I, than we I've, will ever know about. I've actually I've had that thought as well. Is like you'd have to be in order for that to work, you have to be in line with the star and it's yeah. orbiting on the same plane that you're looking at. Well, that's not true for every solar system, right? You, I, I, yeah, you probably they're have at all different going. angles. Yeah, so so there's some, and and then you have rogue planets or orphan planets, right? That one of the, one of his was a rogue planet. Yep. The yeah. Which one was that? I forget what it was called. I think it was the first one, wasn't it? The start with a D. D- uh, Deval. Deval, something like that. Anyway, yeah, yeah. If we're supposed to be taking notes about what these planets are named, I have been really screwed up. <laughs> you guys want to really the... get into some astronomy mindfuck time? Yeah, 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 sure. yeah, yeah. Can that be that. a set? Can that be a, re- a recurring segment? Oh, astronomy mindfuck. Mind you guys ever wonder Dude. if um, nice. so I think the, I cut the, the fifth eight, on that. nice <laughs> the eight and three quarters planets that are in our solar system, which are <laughs> invariably presented to us as having like coplanar orbitals. Mm-hmm. Say that one more time. Right, so like, so when you see a model of the solar system, it's like the sun's here. You got Earth going like this. I'm sorry, hang on, wait, sorry. You got Mercury going like this. You got Venus going like this. You got Earth going like this. Sol three. You got Mars. <laughs> Mars. Going Mars. like this. Yes. Asteroid belt. Yep. Yes. And then all the gas. Saturn, Jupiter, Uranus, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Neptune, but there is there <laughs> Pluto. There's but there's Ding. but they are invariably presented as mm-hmm. being as having coplanar ellipticals, coplanar orbits, right? So they're all going like this, except for and there's one. not one. There's okay, except for one, and there's not. Wait, fuck. Is there one that's? Yeah, it's either Neptune or Uranus, one of the two. That's not exactly coplanar. It's like tilted a little bit so were you gonna say that they're not all coplanar why would they why would any of them be coplanar there's 360 degrees to choose from because the star it you can only see the planets that are on your plane so there are planets like (laughs) all around the 360 degrees that we're just missing we can only see what's it's a two-dimensional universe well, that's, just, this makes me feel a lot better because I was about to resign from the podcast for saying something <laughs> stupid, and then Yukon said something much more stupid. So, well, when planets form, <laughs> there's apparently this accretion disk, which is like okay, all the shit Fucking just kind of randomly. Good ass word, dude. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Shit, it, shit. Yeah, shit. I love that word. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like small rocks join together and and make bigger rocks, mm-hmm. and then you know, so 
when a mommy lot rock loves a daddy rock yeah and they make a baby rock and Mm -hmm. (laughs) but yeah so i mean that that makes sense to me on on how they would be (laughs) co-planner understanding the accretion which i have a very small understanding by the way but from what Rich, I let me, it, can I just say you yes. don't have to call your penis an understanding. Okay? You just fucked, <laughs> Rich. You just fucked my mind so good. <laughs> is it? Is that what made my pants wet? So man, I love it when uh, you have a question and it's just asked and answered. Glad to be of service. Beautiful. I am Beautiful. really. I'm. I'm really happy that we've got planets and astro whatever in this. I love space. We've I do too. About that. Cool. I think if uh, I could go back and do it again, I I would do like astrophysics, astronomy, definitely something math based. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. I would just whatever change. Yeah, if I did it, it would just be anything I would finish college on. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, about these planets. So it's okay. So we have the planets that go around way somewhere else, other galaxy, right? They block the light of their star, and we can tell there's a planet there, right? Yeah, we've established that. Do do they also identify them by blocking light from other stars while they're orbiting, or only their star? I think that's I would how say if it only blo- theirs. If it, like if it like if it blocks any light, can we tell it's there? Because there's like you know, I, I think, stars. I think that's how orbit. they find orphan planets. Is it it blocks light in some form? I, gotcha. Again, not an expert there, but from what I've read, I I think that's how they find the orphan slash rogue planets. Well, and that would be such a coincidence. Yeah. For as as big as space is for well, well but there's so many stars once you get out there. It, so I guess Right, it wouldn't it wouldn't, right? Because there's like there was this like uh this story I used to hear in church, so like I don't know if it's real, but there was like this whole thing where they're like NASA scientists like thought that they had found a dark spot in space. And so they focused the Hubble telescope on it, uh, like as it was yeah, spinning yeah. around, like you've all heard this story in church. Oh, I don't, I don't uh, know about that. I don't know the church version. I know the real version. Okay. Well, yeah, I, fuck, I don't know the difference. Uh, so there's is this like, the, there's, is this the, is this like the Louis Giglio? Like there's a cross in the middle of it. That's exactly the, the picture I'm pulling up. Are you kidding me? No, there's not. <laughs> How do you get a cross from that? <laughs> there's not a cross in the middle of it, but there was this like oh. this spot where they were like, we think this is the darkest spot of space. Like we're trying to find the limits of the observable universe. We're gonna focus. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! There it is. There it right is. in the middle of a black hole is a there, is a cross in the shape of is. the one that Jesus probably wasn't. Not even the shape that he was actually probably crucified on. <laughs> this is the one. It's kind of crooked. Um. Oh, that's a fun background. Yeah. Do you get a little palette palette in action? Okay, anyway. I just um, got your bank login. Keep focused. <laughs> uh, so they have this like this dark spot in space, and they're like, oh, this is like we're trying to find the limits of the observable universe. We think this is like the the for, the fucking keyhole that we can look through to like really see out, and they focus their telescope on it, and then it's just like there's a million thousand stars in there. So it's, Gal- yeah. it really is a thing where like galaxies, yeah, not stars. <laughs> yes, that was, like, I yeah. shared that image one. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Right. Is really we really it's live in this image. magnificent universe that is like incomprehensibly vast, mm-hmm. right? And there are enormous like expanses of void between them to the extent that like there's 
fucking bazillions of tons of just like debris that's flying around at a measurable fraction of the speed of light all through this expanse of nothingness but you could pretty safely just like go out into it yep. because like it's so vast that all even, of that like even the asteroid belt ballistic, yeah that all this dangerous ballistic material is like the, the, the chances of it hitting you are like less than being struck by lightning yep. you go out into that right but even in this like vast expanse there are so many light emitting stars galaxies like whatever that no matter where you train telescope you're gonna have a a light field of background with which you can like take a look and see uh, read a book and and rich this is this is my extremely verbose way of getting back to what you were saying is like look wherever and you may see like a dark spot traveling across this field of lights and like oh bada bing you got a rogue planet or whatever could you imagine like, okay, I, I'm thinking like, okay, of, of course, as non-theists, we're like, it, it, you know, the typical view is, or non-theist and scientist, right, is that there's a very likely chance that there's other life. I, I That's where I put my bet. Right, it's very likely. And then like the common theist view is like, no, we're it because we're the most important shit, right? That's it. But from a the- theistic point of view, I have to think of God creating life and then saying, like, all the other shit in the universe you created, how fucking boring it would be just to do it in one place once. Just that have, would be so boring and like, like, hey, kind I'm, of ignorant. Hey, I'm God, and this is my really, really big rock collection. <laughs> Look, yeah, maybe like maybe he knew we wouldn't be good neighbors, and so yeah. <laughs> we don't have to be neighbors. We're not into fucking next to each into other. the into the literally impossible we'd ever meet each other range, and just do it again, and then do it and uh, again somewhere else, just to like just kind of keep yourself busy. So, you know, we can't be that. It's like, well, these guys, these guys fucked it up. I'm gonna give it another shot over here, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give you my one of my hot takes uh, from chapter two, the anti-vax chapter. Um, yeah, what, remind me what was anti-vax about it. So the would. dad, the dad is like, he's really. So I'm going to caveat my conversation here. I don't have a kid, so I can't relate with what he's going through. But his kid is on the spectrum. And I thought this this book is very meta for our book club because they are hitting on a lot of things that we've talked about, including right. that we talked about the spectrum last week before we even last picked week. this book up. Yeah. So yeah, one of you said the exact, I think it was you, you kind of said the, pretty much the exact same thing that he said in the book where you're like, we're all on it. That's why yeah, it's a spectrum. We're, we're all on it. Right. And so he said exactly that he knows that there's something different about his kid, but he's also really mad at the doctors who are trying to help him. Like he's in this impossible situation where he wants help, but he hates the help he's getting. And uh, he like, he just got into this. It, it, when I say anti-vax, it's like he gets in this thought pattern that I think you see in a lot of anti-vax thinking where I assume he's talking about his kid, maybe being autistic and he's like, you know, this is something that didn't exist years and years ago. And now everybody has it, apparently. And I'm like, oh, God, are we really going there? Like, that's 
I was a little scared about that for a second. And I was like, Oprah, Oprah Book Club. I don't know what she's endorsing here. So well, and then a bit a bit later too, where he's where he gets he gets kind of in trouble at school mm-hmm. and he talks about not wanting to give his kid uh drugs. Give it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I again I can't relate to that. But to be upset and know that you're dealing with something and the only people that have something to help you, you're just like, no, not that. Anything but that. Like, okay. Yeah. It is difficult, man. I bet. I was just going to say, I get his fear because like if, if one of my kids were, uh, what's his, what's a Robin, I, I would be like, I would be stuck, man. I'd be like, okay, I get that there's these medications, but are they going to change him? Are they going to like, yeah, they might calm him down. That's great for me, but is that going to be good for him? And and I see, I see the dichotomy and I see the struggle there. And I, I relate a lot with Theo, like from that parent side of things. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm thinking that, yeah, basically the exact same thing because it's like, um, I've got like, okay, again, like my youngest is like, can be obnoxiously hyperactive sometimes to the point where I've thought like, yeah, maybe he's got ADHD. I don't know. And then I'm like, do I even is, is even checking that out something I care to do at this point? Right. Because he's young and I'm like, I basically, I've decided I'm pretty well. No, because I'm like, what, what's the outcome is the outcome is like, Oh yeah. He has like really ADHD behaviors and here's some medication you can give him. I'll be like, ah, I don't know that I would want to do that because, you know, like exactly that. Does it change who he is and how he interacts with me? And if you're making a decision for someone else to do that, it feels strange, which I know is also my job as a parent to make decisions for them. Um, But man, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult and you, you don't want to do it because you're like, okay, with me and Theo seems this way too. It's like, with me the problem is not the same as not with me right like like i feel like I, like we know how to interact with 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 him and the you know let's just let's go back to using theo and robin as the example they know how to interact together that's how the book starts um and they're fine they live a great life and like there's nothing wrong with robin in that point and then he goes back to school where things are not so predictable and not so smooth and people don't understand him the same and then he has problems Who's the problem? It's like the people need to take the medication, not Robin. It's like peep, the people interacting with him need educated, you know, and like that would do something for Robin more than a medication would if they understood Robin better. But we need to ro- medicate Robin so that it doesn't matter how people interact with him. And that doesn't seem like the right course of action. Well, even but if it would help. The doctor also pointed out what she thought was, and this is later, where she's like, look, you're not keeping a regular schedule with him. Which is which is valid. Like the if he needs structure, if he needs this, and if you don't want to provide that, then the other solution is probably medication. But if you're not going to like follow these other things and you're not going to medicate, then like, what are you doing, man? Like if you're just, I I don't know, like just an outside observer, even when he's alone, yeah, they have methods for dealing with it, but we've seen 
outbursts and stuff that it's like this is concerning and and i have the i think i have the the benefit of also understanding his career as well and like being in that environment where like you it not now but like when it's in grad school and postdoc where it's like research 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 you're fucking on all the time bro it's 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 why i won't do it as a career and so i get like that that pull of I need to bring in an income. I need to do these analyses. I need to be in the lab at fucking two o'clock in the morning, but I've got my kid over here. Who's, you know, I, I need to tell him a story at three o'clock in the morning, or he's going to burn the fucking house down, you know? <laughs> you know? So I, I have an appreciation for Theo from that perspective as well. I, I think this, this discussion so far for me is like the most interesting, deep part of this book. Um, and, and also like with the same sort of caveat that you kind of made, like, I don't have kids. So like, I don't have, I, I think a full understanding of the like conflict here, but it does seem like this is actually a thing that like a lot of parents deal with, with like, you know, I've, I've got like a sister-in-law that has kids and she's like not an anti-vax person, but I remember her coming and being like, Whoa, man, it's crazy. Like my kid was like four days old and they wanted to give him 12 vaccinations like all at once. And like, I'm not anti-vax, but like that seemed like a lot. And there's a sort of human tendency, I think, to sort of like even people who can buy into like the idea that, hey, like we should pay experts to like come down on a definitive answer on what the best course of action for the highest survivability rate for fucking infants who historically don't live past two at a particularly (laughs) high rate right like let's pay some people to like figure Figure out out. how to make that better right so you can you can on one hand buy into that on the other hand when it comes time to happen to you and your infant is the one with 12 needles getting stuck in his arm in a single day right like it can more like four but okay (laughs) what yeah sure Uh, like yeah it it can it can hurt rich it's been a long time since you had kids i think it's i uh, but honestly i think there are like more vaccinations now and i'm not like you know i'm the kind i'm the kind of person who is like robotic enough that i'd be like fucking stick the kid i don't care like what like do what you gotta do you're an expert did did you do it to me all right Yeah, right. Well, it's, it's it's scary, and I and it's I think it's scary because of the responsibility that you have. That's at least what I've landed on for myself. Right? Is that like anytime you make that kind of a choice for your kid, you're like, oh, if this is like the one in a million that kills my kid, I made the choice. And anytime you're respond that you have a responsibility for something, and it, and it, there's a potential to go wrong, it you can make it very scary in your head. It doesn't matter how many shots are in the gun. You don't want to play Russian roulette with your kid. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Because like, you're responsible <laughs> for it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, but, and, and I think I, I'm, I'm honestly not sure at this point, whether like this is an intended thing that the author did or not, but like, it's, it's been interesting in this book and uh, let's get political for a second. Like we're, We've we've talked about politics like a lot and how stupid some some political actors are, but like 
I feel like through through the course of this book, the author very much does not like. There are pieces where I'm like, oh yeah, this author is talking about the same kind of like political stuff that pisses me off, and like they're listening to the news and catching up and like trying to be good citizens and like they're outraged by the same kind of things that outrage people like me and then like he also has this sort of like flip side thing where when it comes to his own child right he feels a little bit more ownership and honestly like as a as a person who doesn't have kids like i can't again i can't like super speak to it and i don't know how i would feel but like I think the author does a really good job of putting you in the place where you yourself don't know as the reader don't know how to feel about what Theo should do about his kid. Cause like Kenneth, you were saying like, there are no problems when Theo and Robin are together. Like they have this really cool relationship. You don't want to, you don't want Robin to be different than he is because he is such a treasure Right. Even in the short amount that we've read, like this kid is fucking awesome. Like he's 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 older than his age. There are all these instances where Theo is like. I was blown away by what Robin said, and I'm like just trying to figure out like how his mind works and all the beautiful inner workings of like this little person. Right. But. You've got these problems that he's like come up with. The the school administrator sounds very reasonable for her part. And it becomes this very difficult like parenting decision where like, I honestly don't know what I want to happen with Robin. But I also, as a person who studied psychology, I know the history of like dealing with psychological issues. And for a long time, you know, like I'm I'm all high and mighty up here being like, we should trust science. But for a long time, when it came to mental health, scientists were like, not the people that we should be trusting on these issues. And like the last thing in the world that I want to have happen is for Robin to get fucking medically lobotomized. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, you don't want Robin to be like this chemical zombie that's like going around on whatever pills they're thinking about subscribing it you know prescribing him and him to be a different person right and because in that sense, it's not even like a question of if the science works or not it's if the science working is the correct choice or not right the science like i trust the science will work is it right you know is it like is it the right move to have him like Okay, there's is it the right move to say there's no risk now that you're going to throw a thermos at your friend's nose, but you're also never going to have any of the thoughts and creativity that you had that came as the trade-off for that. You're, you know, you'll be totally this, maybe this is my my inner liberal talking, but I actually get a little guilty about the I I started thinking with this about like a class issue, right? Because through about like the last third of what we read here, the whole time my inside, I was just like homeschool him. And like, as soon as we came back from the mountains and started trying to reintegrate Robin into school, I'm like, take this kid out and homeschool him. Right? Like that's the answer. That's what my, 
and I'm sitting there like screaming it at the screen, right? But and I'm I mean like I don't know if it's necessarily even a class thing, but like the the situation that the author presents us with is like that's not an option. Theo can't quit his job, make zero income, and homeschool Robin. It can't happen that way. At least not for a couple of years. I mean, like, you know, we're we're blessed blessed to live in the the information age where you have things like the Khan Academy and you can just like once your kid reaches a certain age, you could just be like, here's a computer. Go to school. Right? And you can homeschool your kids with high quality education. Like he's nine. I mean, that's like, he's too young to be even be able to do that. Uh, and so like, I'm struggling with like what I even want to root for in this story. I think is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. You want me to hit more? Yeah. All right. Chapter sums. Let's bring it back. Let's go five more. All right. Chapter six. Dad shows Robin a, a planet. What? They're on a planet. <laughs> chapter seven. Shades of Chiron. Okay, we're romping through the forest, smelling and sniffing stuff. Remember Chiron? Yeah, Chiron. I do, yeah, Chiron. Yeah, yeah. Uh, chapter eight. Is he the centaur? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Chapter eight. Slipping and sliding in the stream, missing the wife. Chapter nine. <laughs> bedtime and Buddha sayings. Chapter 10. The pains of parenting. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Keep going. Chapter 11, the zoo hypothesis. Chapter 12, bears on the side of the road. (laughs) Chapter 13, visit another planet, a rogue planet. Chapter 14, the world's fallen apart. My favorite one. Chapter 15, Ken Ham and Algernon. <laughs> now that you're not, which is now the going to be the SEO title for this <laughs> for this episode. I'll get us to am I at halfway? I'm about halfway. Um, chapter 16, back home before the school day is over. And chapter 17, meet Theo, Ryland Grace, the prequel. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So I'll just stop there so we can we can chat about what all happened. So I had I had one note here. This was I think when they're in the stream. I said we're slipping and sliding in the stream, missing the wife. Missing the wife. So I think um our our buddy Ryland Grace here, Theo, he's dealing with a lot of stuff. Grief of his losing his wife being a single parent. And I think he's like slipping in and out of reality because while they're slipping and sliding, he says a hundred yards upstream, Alyssa tumbled feet first down this channel in a wetsuit that fit her like skin. He like just slips into this memory and then his son is snapping him out of it. And, um, something I'm a little bit worried about for Theo you know, I don't think it's been that many years. What? Two, right? Two or three. Because his son just turned nine and it happened when he was six-ish, maybe almost yeah. seven. So he had two, at least yeah. two years. Do you guys think, you guys think Allie was like hot? Or do you think she was like just kind of a, kind of a standard like six? It sounds like, 
It sounds like she's at least a seven. <laughs> like a SoCal it, seven or like a yeah, like a, yeah, like, like a, a SoCal like a SoCal seven. So like a Midwest nine. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like I'm supposed to be in love with Allie. Yeah. Like I think we should talk before about authors manipulating us into like feeling you know, you affection know, for certain characters. Yeah, I mean, I might be giving something a little bit away here, away here, but I fe- I fear that I, I will forget it if I don't say it now. But these two kind of feel like uh in film a Michael Sarah and any other kind of quirky the girls he dates in those movies <laughs> yeah. that he's in all the time. It might be a Michael Sarah Cat Nennings dig. I don't know. We'll <laughs> yeah. see. Or just the exact it's girl a real, that was in a Scott Pilgrim. Juno situation. It's a real Juno sitch. I like the Buddha sayings. I like that prayer they say at night. Um, may no sentient being, no harm or something like that. Or Yeah, like un- unnecessary suffering, something like that. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm into that concept. I have a hard time believing that it would become the central driving idea. Like the the thing that like you do as a para religious ritual, mm-hmm. you know. I'm like, okay, like I'm I'm for it, but I I don't know. I don't feel like it's the strongest idea to pull out of you know Buddhist philosophy or whatever you want to source it out of. Does does that does that ideology ext- only apply to? species that is smart enough to acknowledge the difference and also make do without so i think so like we so so since since we're coming down off of disc world we've got sentient which is the phrasing that's used here disc world we we talked about sapience with sapient pearwood and and i think from what i understand based on no research whatsoever and just like um kind of knowing a little bit about the root words so etymology or was it entomology let's talk about entomology let's talk about (laughs) entomology so sentience is like the ability to feel right to feel pain to feel pleasure to feel whatever like it is it is insinuates from from what I'm understanding it insinuates like enough of a nervous system to like have like uh, value attached feelings crossing through your consciousness. Sapience has to do with like knowledge. I'm not sure. I think like it's kind of fuzzy about where the line between those two things are, but like. I think usually sapience is about like self-awareness, like being aware that like you are a, an individual that is like separate from other things and that like you are capable of sort of like having your own interests and, and um, uh, you know, having something more than just like instincts that drives you. And so she's talking about sentient beings, which I think would be, basically everything above like worm level of of neurology not single cell not viruses i wouldn't think so i'm not i mean i'm not not an expert on the veganism or whatever 
so is this, so then is this is this prayer suggesting that like prey situations should not exist between any species like you know like a lion shouldn't eat a gazelle well that yeah that, i think it's that's ridiculous right? that's the point at which i'm like i don't know if this is like the thing that should drive like i i think for a person who's like ali's thing is that she runs an ngo or at least like a region of an ngo that is all about cessation of of animal cruelty um and like that she is an activist for animal wellness right so i'm like it, so but you raise like the state of nature actually is nasty brutish and short to to borrow you know a phrase from philosophy and also this book i think well okay so the the exact quote may all sentient beings be free from needless suffering okay so if it's it, needless yeah right? exactly so if a lion eats a gazelle is that needless no like the lion needed it that's how nature is so it's like yeah i'm not gonna be sorry about that or not you know i don't know there's there's things that happen within nature like if it's not torture if it's not like me sitting there plucking the legs off of bugs or if it's um you know um, a tornado passes through and destroys a town. That's needless suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, was it? Kid- I think in ours might also like very notably like meat farms, you know, slaughterhouses and abattoirs, and also puppy I mean, mills. I'm assuming, assuming from yeah, they talk about puppy mills a lot, which are like bad, mm-hmm. but also like certainly not the worst thing that we do to captive animals as a human species. Well, in in this um, in this instance I would say so. They abandon a truck full of puppy mill puppies in below freezing temperature. Like to die of frostbite. Yeah. Yes. That's going to tug at heartstrings more than yeah, more than factory farms. Because dogs are fucking rad. But also, like, have you ever seen a video of what happens inside of, like, pork processing plants? Like, Mm -hmm. there's some fucked up shit that goes on with the meat industry, right? I've decided I'm not a vegan or a vegetarian. I do eat meat. I ate chicken today. But, like... I've decided that just sort of as a sort of as a personal practice, I'm going to start referring to all meat as corpse meat. (laughs) Yeah. If you're going to call like, you know, uh, beyond burger, you know, some kind of veggie meat, you can call it corpse meat. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's what it is. (laughs) And just trying to like, when I'm eating too much meat, I like really think about the, just, you know, getting an animal and just fucking ripping it apart with my fingers, putting it in my mouth. Um, but maybe it's a libtard. I'm going to do the but same yeah. thing with milk. Like I'm going to, you know, I have oat milk. I, I drink rice milk. I'm going to call it corpse milk. Um, well, well, <laughs> hang on. Let's <laughs> back up a little bit. <laughs> coming from a corpse there. All right, how about meat milk? Is that, meat <laughs> is that yeah. From Allie's perspective or, you know, as anybody who's going to be like a vegan activist, uh, like, Dairy and egg farming is 
second tier, but almost oh. as bad yes. as like slaughter meat farming, right? The, a, a vegan I had the pleasure of hearing talk <laughs> in my college philosophy class, who I didn't appreciate at the time. I do now. Sure. Um, yeah. I I was so unimpressed with his presentation. I marched over to Burger King and had a Whopper. Nice. To show them, Classy. you're not going to change me into a vegan. Yeah. Still not a vegan. But he saw even consuming honey as a problem. Because those bees are free. They, they, they should be free and not working for me. And you should not have pets like dogs. Oh. Yeah. He was hardcore. What a tit. Yeah, that's what that's what that's what we call an extremist. Yes. Oh, he was he went to jail for freeing um, minks, like ferret farms or stuff like that. And that's how he got. He, he, he was he was labeled the world's problems. He was labeled an eco terrorist. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, it sounds sounds probably accurate. Yeah. <laughs> um. Man, I am enjoying this book. It is really good. I was worried that we weren't going to have enough funny stuff to talk about because uh, Color of Magic was so goofy. What? And this this book, I'm like, I love everything that I've read so far, but I don't want to make fun of any of it. Oh, right. And we're and we're not. That's why thanks we for, barely talked about the book. Thanks for leaving <laughs> it to me. <laughs> the stupid we've stuff. Jo- we've joked about everything else. Um, and every now and then I'm just like. Dicks. Had you heard this zoo hypothesis before? What was that again? So it's basically that, okay, the reason we don't hear from other civilizations is that there is some, there was at one point this master civilization that had expanded and achieved interstellar travel, but then they got like very introspective and they're like, we want to get back to the basics like camping and we want to appreciate. So what, but it's not like on a scale like we would an intergalactic scale where it sounds like they've captured entire solar systems and and encaged them so that they can just look in and be like, Oh, look, look at that solar system. Isn't that cute? They've got little things living in there and look at that one over there. Now it sounds like nonsense because I've played the Sims and it's good for like, (laughs) what a few it's, weeks to a month maximum entertainment I, and, yeah it's not it's not fun and the, the little bit of fun you do have from it is very short-lived well but we yeah. have zoos right we don't spend all of our time at zoos but they are a form of entertainment to to some people um i don't know in his example are we in the zoo yes is uh, yeah, that I so. or i thought that this civilization captured everyone but us and that's why we don't hear but and that makes more sense that we are in the zoo. I think the way that the author presented the zoo hypothesis was a little bit like I it was a little bit confusing, I think, because when you first started the chapter, I'm I'm a person who gets I wouldn't say I'm like a huge enthusiast, but I like watch, you know, these Vsauce and Kurzgesagt and like these YouTube channels that are like, whoa, let's ask some really cool questions about science, right? And so I've like watched a lot of videos about the Fermi paradox and like the whole deal. And the one that I've heard, like when when he started 
when the author started setting up this thing where he's like, oh yeah, there's one option that like, I don't know if Robin is ready to hear, but like maybe there was this like super awesome, awesome, super galactic civilization that like rose to promise. I thought he was heading towards the great filter idea, which is the idea that like, maybe there is some sort of like watershed moment in the development of a civilization where like, you know, civilizations always develop nuclear plus armaments prior to developing like the technology to avoid them or whatever. And then everybody just ends up wiping themselves out before they can expand into a pan-galactic civilization and like colonize, you know, other star systems and stuff like that. And that's why we haven't heard anything from other civilizations that's what i thought he was going which is depressing in its own right yeah so there's the there's the other scarier one that there is like a super predator species (laughs) yeah that is i like that one they're world eaters and everyone is quiet because they don't want to get eaten and we're just out here hey hey come find us beep 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 we're about to be eaten yeah yeah that would keep him up about to get nommed on. Yep. Yep. Uh, want me to keep going? Yeah. All right. Chapter 18, Boy Meets Girl. Chapter 19, Ooh, nice. to Madison, Wisconsin, building a life. Chapter 20, watching videos of mom. Chapter 21, what happens when we die? Chapter 22, another planet to visit. Uh, chapter 23, uh, we have to, this was like, Less than a page. We have to say mom's prayer before bed. Um, chapter 24, Theo imagines planets or talks about how it started. So I think that was kind of where he got into this is why we do this. Chapter 25. This is how we do it. I'm going to, I'm going to stop at this one because I have something I want to talk about. Chapter 25, teachings on the origins of life and Robin punched a dude. This is how we do it. Thank you. So is that Montel Jordan or is that Black Street? That's Montel. Montel, right? yeah. Yeah. Is it? I only know yes, because at the end of that Street. song, there's a there's a voicemail from his barber that's like, hey Montel, you, <laughs> you're doing great. Uh there was one little thought in here that I thought was so cool. Uh, I told her how a person had 10 times more bacterial cells than human cells and how we needed 100 times more bacterial than human DNA to keep an, the organism going. Her eyes crinkled in love. So were the scaffolding. Is that it? And they're the building? So I had this crazy thought. Like, what if... We are just puppets of the origins of life, you know, the single celled Mm -hmm. organism. And then we're just what they built and everything that's alive is just alive because they allow it. Like we couldn't exist without them and we're just their puppets, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's all it is. What if? if? That's pretty crazy. I mean, I wouldn't care. (laughs) How could I? Yeah. Mm hmm. (laughs) Is that? We're just, they're just out here like, let's make a podcast. <laughs> Fuck these bacteria. 
Quit wasting my money. <laughs> uh, is this is this how you guys pillow talk your wives? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah. We don't pillow talk on Tuesday because she's asleep for two hours by the time I get in there. <laughs> but I think that'd be a pretty cool sci-fi concept, like to twist that a little bit. I don't know of like a horror or sci-fi horror or something about how we're just like made up of a hive mind that we don't know about. And a hive mind of bacteria you, we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know about those like zombie parasite. Last of yeah. Us. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the ones that like infect the mind of a like ant and then force it to like crawl up to a place where it gets eaten. Yeah. Like their life cycle basically involves like commandeering another animal's body. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty rad. Mm-hmm. You're on Reddit. You know about it. Well, I know that that is, I haven't played the last of us. So no spoilers, please. But I know I that that fungus you're talking about that infects the bugs that causes them to crawl up to a high place so it can spore and whatever that inspired the, the bad guys in Last of Us, I think. I think. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll hammer out the rest here. 26. Teacher says Robin needs to be medicated. 27. Allie died in a car crash and she was pregnant with a girl. Preggers. Chapter 28. Robin starts an art project. 29. Robin skipping school for his little art project. Chapter 30, Robin throws a fit because Theo tries to make him to go to school. Chapter 30. out of control. Chapter 31, father and son travel to Metaphor Planet. Chapter 32. (laughs) Chapter 32, (laughs) flashback, sign up for an experiment as a couple. And chapter 33, experiment time. This experiment was basically like the newlywed game, right? But where That's you can kind of see, vibe you got from it. but I think it's where you can see their thoughts, right? Weren't they going like a step further and not just like, oh, I feel the color red. It's like, I experienced that memory. Is that where you were thinking? I think I we're in the future. It's very confusing. Yeah. they. So the, the structure of the study is that like they evoke some feeling in someone and during that time do an fmri scan of them which is just like a it's a three-dimensional scan of your brain and it measures like real-time glucose consumption or something like that basically it's like it it's a uh it's a heat map of your brain is what it is right so it's like you can see what's lighting up in real time using a magnetic resonance imaging but then there like there was a second part of this where he was talking about how like and then we take that information and stimulate like another person's like the same part of that other person's brain and then like they hallucinate the same images or they like they hallucinate red or they uh, you know, feel the same feelings. And I really didn't follow the structure of it. I was listening to audiobooks, so I may have missed something crit- critical. But like, I'm thinking that it would be very difficult, if not impossible, to do 
what they're talking about doing without like uh, you can uh, stimulate like specific brain areas, but it involves opening a person's skull while they're conscious, which is a thing that people do. And then literally like taking electrodes and like poking their brains with it. And I don't know who the fuck signs up for those, but I get the impression that like, that's not what they were doing. There's also a, um, there's also a technology called transcranial electromagnetic stimulation, I think is what it's called. That basically is like you, it's a non-surgical thing, but you take like a powerful magnet and basically like alter the electrical fields remote. So basically it's like, it's a, you know, you take a big magnet, essentially electromagnet and. Are you wiping your hard drive? Basically wiping your hard drive. It has, (laughs) it has some sort of thing where you can like, I'm, you know, must focus like the electromagnetic energy and you can do that in certain targeted areas, but it's like, I mean, it's a pretty crude tool that like, it's going to impact like a fairly large section of your brain. So I wouldn't think you'd be able to do what they're talking about. The cool thing about transcranial magnetic, electromagnetic stimulation, whatever it is, is like you, I think the deal with that is that it actually can only be used to basically shut off individual parts of your brain so your occipital lobe which is like the ball sack of your brain Mm -hmm. the little like bulbous part in the back Mm -hmm. um it like you can you can take so the occipital lobe processes visual imagery primarily is what it does and you can take this like this tool and you can like blast somebody's occipital lobe with it and they'll fucking go blind for a little bit because like the visual processing centers of their brain are like temporarily shut up and it's temporary and harmless but like i cannot even begin to describe describe the amount of fucking panic freak out that i would have if you did that to me <laughs> if you just went blind like just, just completely remove one of your senses it'd be yeah, pretty would it'd be pretty freak. dope if we could get high by magnet you know just, maybe you can maybe <laughs> maybe those Whoa. people with the magnet bracelets are onto something yeah perhaps <laughs> the little the little ion bracelets yeah. or whatever that the golfers are wearing yeah. these days yeah so I, I assume we're going to read to another 33% of the book. So we'll figure out what that is off stream. Yep. Um, you guys. And then we'll put, and then we'll post it in our discord. Wink. Yeah. Oh, Hey, discord. Do you guys want to go ahead and roll for my, my suggestion? Yeah. We should. Yeah, yeah. 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 Do you need me? Or do you, if you would dice? like, you're our dice guy. Yeah. I got a do, dice. do you have a two, two sided die? Um, yes. <laughs> all right. So first selection it, for one through 10 is going to be Piranesi. It's by Susanna Clark. It might be up for some awards this year. It is very highly rated. Susanna Clark. Piranesi. It sounds like not in structure. But in description, it's the one that I said. This sounds just like ha- House of Leaves. This is this is the shape of water. That's what it is. This reminded you of House of Leaves. Just, the, the description said uh, there's like some house that 
goes on forever. But it sounds really good. Okay. Uh, the other one is by Christopher Buhlman called Between Two Fires. Between Two Ferns? Fi- yeah, Between, <laughs> Between Two, two ferns. ferns. Yeah. Okay. Zach Galifianakis. So that'll be 11 through 20. So I'm excited to read through 20. either one of these. Um, I think I've got them both checked out from my library. Are you ready for a dice roll? Do it. What do we have? Do it. Let's see it. Do it. Boys, you're not going to believe it. Nat 20. It's a natural 20. Between two fires. (laughs) Between two ferns. Wait, no, that means we have to read Sea Goddess. (laughs) No, that was a natural one, and it's called Wet Goddess. (laughs) Wet Goddess. What's this this one called, then? Between two fires. An, An epic tale of medieval horror? Yeah. That, you just hit, checked all our boxes, man. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Shelf Importance. We look forward to having you back next time for part two of Bewilderment by Richard Powers.